welcome to VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. We're on week 63. Uh, as always, you can leave us a review on YouTube, Spotify, or iTunes. That would be great. It was really helping us a few weeks ago. And uh, I think we've got up to number 37 in the iTunes chart, John was telling me, or the Apple chart. Anyway, you know I am Steve Lillis, and with me, my co-host, John Evans, with that great poster behind him that he's uh, his regular backdrop. You okay, John? I am, Steve. Look. Um, you're like a kid at Christmas, aren't you, this week? I know you've been looking forward to, to this fight week for months now. Uh, and you know what? I had two tickets all sorted for me Saturday, and I've got to go to Scotland and work for two days at the end of the week. Uh, talk about bad luck. Well, <laughs> it's come with me. It, it, when I, I just had to, I've just got to work this week and nothing I can do, but um, I'm gutted. Absolutely. Never... You know what I've thought of this fight for ages, John. Anyway, there's only one fight. We'll not even mention it. We'll talk plenty about it later. Anyway, a special guest, a boxer who's filled with excitement about Saturday's card. Um, he's looking forward to the big one, Carl Brook, but he's boxing on the undercard. It's uh, VIP's leading middleweight hope, Bradley Ray. Bradley, thanks for joining us uh, a few days before um, a great, what, what should be a great fight for you. Yeah, definitely, Steve. Uh... Buzzing, mate. Buzzing. It's been a long time coming now. You know, it seems seems to have dragged a bit the last couple of weeks, but so close now. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to getting in there on Saturday, you know, like you say, on such a massive stage. You know, and what I've noticed about you is it's the same thing can be said about someone John wants to talk about on the pod in a bit. You're taking on another fight with a winning record, another unbeaten fight. At this time, Craig McCarthy's the opponent. I think he's drawn one and one eight or nine, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it's um, is another undefeated opponent for me. Um, but you know, it's good. It's good. I feel like I'm at that stage now where I'm ready to kind of get in these fights and and test myself a little bit. And it's a fight I'm confident in winning. Um, but I think it's where I'm going to have to, you know, show a few answers. And um, I'm looking forward to it. No, it's great. And just let me ask this for, I know John will want to speak, want to ask you a thing or two about this weekend and how things are. When it comes to fight week, do you go back home to Earlham or do you still stay at the house in Hyde with um, the other boxers who train at Ricky's gym? So, Stretford I am, but I'm, Stratford, yeah, I'm sorry, in Hyde I'm, at the moment. Yeah, I'm in still, Hyde at the moment. So you don't go um, home fight week when the work's done, You Blaine still keeps you there and... Yeah, yeah, well, I've got quite a bit on this week. I've got a public workout and a press conference and stuff and you know I kind of I like being on my own a bit fight week a bit isolated a bit out of the way um but yeah it's just kind of keeping yourself busy you, you know all, like how the hard work's done like you say so you know you, you're doing a lot of sitting around and usually when I'm sat around I start eating but I can't eat so you know <laughs> you're just sat here bored hey, we, a, a fight or an event I'll talk about later on but a few years ago, when Ricky, I think Ricky was already a champion, actually, Ricky Hatton. He got a showcase just before the main event when Mike Tyson fought at the arena and it pushed him to a different level. I think all the fans who'd come to see Tyson got to see Manchester's great hope. If they give you any idea of a running order, Brad, are you going to get a good slot here? I imagine Natasha might be main support. I've not seen it myself, but you're going to get a nice good slot here to really show people what you can do. I hope so. I hope so. Um... Because again, that that's kind of the idea of me taking these tough fights to be able to people to look at the fight. You know, that was for me last fight against Jeff Smith. That was kind of the reasoning behind doing that. You know, I thought it meant I'd get I'd get a TV slot. Um, unfortunately, it didn't. But hopefully this time, you know, they've they've learned the lesson and and they'll give me a good slot. So 
fingers crossed anyway. Yeah, fingers crossed. Oh, well, that's brilliant. Well, you've got your bell, your clock ready, everything. You have to keep everything in order. I tell you what, John, you're being shoved out of round one this week because, you know, we've got a big guest this week. You know, he's boxing this week. So, you know, you can't run the show like you usually do and demand, you know, what you want, you know, what sweets you want sent to you for your rider there while you're getting ready and where you want to speak. So we're going to start with, with Brad this week. And um, you're round one this week. Bradley, you want to talk about careers of the ending injury? Yeah, so... um I was watching the D- Danny Jacobs John Ryder fight at the weekend, and um, yeah, <laughs> it, it just kind of came came back to me about when Danny Jacobs boxed um, Dimitri Pirog years ago, and how much of a talent Pirog was, and how he was kind of on this collision course with Golovkin, and how many people were talking about this fight, and then um, obviously, unfortunately, got injured and he had to retire, and the fight never happened, and it was just you know put it out to use is there any other fighters that that you can think of that you think you know I think Pirog would have gone on to do big things um on a smaller scale you've got like one of my best mates Danny Wright there you know a VIP boxer who unfortunately had to had to retire as well who again I would have thought was going to go on and do big big things in boxing um and you know I was just trying to think of a few others kind of over the years, or you know, maybe maybe a little bit about your time, Steve, before my time oh. that you can think of. Yeah, and um, yeah. I was just thinking, it, is there any other fighters that you can think of who maybe had the career cut short? Pirog was the first one I thought of today because Steve Bunch just talks about Pirog non stop. That is, he's you know, one of his big things he'll talk about. Well, he'll talk about anything, but that he's really, he's really good on them. You know what? I was thinking, I was spent some time a couple of weeks ago, a recent one with Cash Farouk, and his career, you know, it's just fallen apart the last few months. You know, I was speaking to him, and how well he seems to have taken it, on the outside anyway, is incredible. We had a fight in Las Vegas in December that hadn't been announced, but they knew that, and then they thought they'd just have to move the fight and the problem would be sorted. And the McGregor fight had been agreed and signed for April, the rematch. You know, so really? he could have gone into the summer literally on the brink of a world title fight. More recently, you know, Anthony Agogo, he might not, his eye problems, he might not have won a world title, but he had that bit of mainstream appeal through, the, you know, his things he'd done, you know, the Olympics, obviously, but then the swimming show he'd done. There's so many. I was reading that one this afternoon, a guy, Andy Gatley, or, or, who retired, who's now a stuntman, an actor. What about you, John? I knew you were going to talk about Pirog with Ryder and Jacobs fighting at weekend. And I'm glad you mentioned it, Brad, because Pirog seemed to get overlooked completely, didn't he, on the zone? Um, do you know what? Paul Ingle sticks out for me. I know, I know it's a different situation because Paul got injured in a fight, but I used to love Paul Ingle. He did it the real hard way, didn't he? And he just looked like he was break, breaking through. He had one of my favourite fights of all time with Junior Jones in Madison Square Garden. I, I love that fight. But he was... I can't imagine what Paul did to make weight. And I know making weight yeah, was know. a big factor in the, the fight he got injured in. Um, if he'd just moved up to super featherweight before that fight, I just wonder where Paul's career could have gone because he was thrilling. He was a fan's favourite. He came back from that loss to Hamed where he gave a real good account of himself and he was chasing a rematch and all of a sudden it was gone. Round two, over to you, John. Uh, the price is right. Yeah. A fighter who doesn't get mentioned very much, but I thought on Saturday he, he really looked the part again. Um, Hopey Price, 
Um, Brad might like him because he's got that long, rangy style. Um, he seems to be carrying a little bit more power now. He's hurt people the last few fights. Looked really, really good when he fought Zahad Hussein on the Josh Warrington card. And I know it was a it was a run out at weekend, but he, he did it. How a, how a young promising fighter should deal with someone like that. There was no getting rounds in. There was no coasting. He was clinical and he, he got rid of him. I've talked to Dave Caldwell since. And I was asking him about Holpi and he says, what we're doing in the gym, although he's got this long reach and he's dangerous and he's finding his power, he said, all I've got him doing is working on the inside stuff because sooner or later, someone's going to be good enough to get inside on Holpi and I want them to have a nasty surprise. And he, he just seems to... He's come up in the shadow of the Olympians. He's built himself slowly, but he just looks like he might have that something about him where he can go on to the next level. Yeah, definitely. I, I um, he's kind of a little bit younger than me, Hopi, but I never, you know, with the amateurs, when you come up, you kind of you get to know a lot of people. I, I didn't know him personally. Never on any camps or anything with him. Um, but very impressive, tidy boxer, and I remember hearing that for years um, but since he's turned pro you know you, like you say especially the last few fights you've kind of seen that spite in his shots and hitting a little bit harder started putting a few people away and um, you know I don't see why why he can't go on to do big things um, we've got we've got Ibn Adim in our gym who's the same weight as him and I know they had a good fight as an amateur uh, as amateurs so you know maybe that's another one down the line that, that, that could be a good one yeah, I didn't see Saturday night's fight, but the one you touched on, John Zahid Hussain, when he was sixteen and one, and like you say, he just get he does what he does and got rid of me. Got out, he got rid of. Okay, Zahid isn't you know a British champion, but that's a good area level fighter who could win a central area in a few weeks. And he just walked through him. I think he drops him at the end of the first round, and then just didn't let him off in the second round, if I remember rightly. That fight, John, um, yeah. and, and you know, and he's also apart from his debut. Like Brad is doing as, as he's got, you know, learning the ropes on the job, if you want to say. He's beating men with winning records all the time. I think that his debut and was the only one that didn't have the winning record. Yeah, he fought uh, Johnny Phillips, who a rough, tough yeah. kid who always comes to have a go as well. Just something about him. And, and he's not had the hype. He's not had the build-up. He probably doesn't like speaking in front of the camera much, like a lot of lads. But I, I just think there's something there. Um, he's going to have to be matched properly, isn't he, to get people's interest. And it seems like one of those fighters who, the bigger the challenge you put in front of him, you might just get the better out of him. So, yeah, I'm interested to see where I hope he goes. Um, round three, um, topic we haven't, um, what we speak about most weeks. And I'm just wondering now, um, Dillian White has seven days. The WBC gave him until the 21st of February to sign that Fury contract. And it's still radio silence, you know, from him, his whole camp. Um, I just find it bizarre. The contracts for these sort of fights, per-split fights, I'm told, are pretty straightforward. They're standard contracts. You're getting paid this much, and that's it. These are your, your, your what's expected, your PR-wise. No big headaches. They've had that contract now for over a week, and it still doesn't, hasn't been signed. Look, he's guaranteed about, I think, on dollars to pounds, he's guaranteed 5.2 million, and he gets about another 3 million pounds in bonuses if he wins I'm just really getting a bit you know is it is it is there gamesmanship where he's taking it to the wire and would deliver it to Frank Warren's office at 4.59 before business closes next next week is, is there something going on behind that we don't know about 
there where he's trying to get more money because obviously he wasn't happy with how the purse was split up. And it's just radio silence, apart from the old, odd comment from Eddie, where he just says he's in daily contact and he's a friend of Dillian's and he's there to help him. I just want you know, get you, your take on it. Makes makes no sense to me. This is the this is the opportunity why it's been banging on for for, for years, isn't it? I thought Dillian would have would have jumped at this, knowing the character he, he portrays. Um, what an amount of money! If you were truly confident in yourself, you wouldn't be thinking I was getting five point two million. You'd be thinking I'm getting eight point two because I'm going to get that three million bonus. Is the another thing in the pipeline, Steve? Are we talking about matching him with Joshua or something like yeah, that? Is there something else like that going on in the background? But I'm, I'm just hoping, like you, that I want to see Fury active. So fingers yeah. crossed, White signs it, gets the contract in, and we can get on with it. Yeah, well, I, I'm really getting a bit sick of all these heavyweights, oh. maybe. Um, you just you just don't know what to believe, do you? And you get to the point where you don't believe any of them. Um, you know, I think I think Fury is the main one who, who's going to contradict himself every other week in interviews and stuff. And even when you had the the Fury Usyk fight talked about and Joshua was stepping aside, you know, it's all just too much talk for my liking now. You know, I, I know it's a big part of it selling selling the fights and social media and stuff. But you know, if you're not fighting, there's no fights to sell, so they just need to get on with it and fight. Fury White is also becoming in danger, even if the contract's signed, the way the talk's going, or the talk from Eddie's, from what Eddie's saying, there's nothing from White, where the man in the street ends up not believing it's going to happen until they actually get in the ring, despite yeah. the contract being signed. And that's... Yeah. Round four, it's a topic we talk about a lot, but it's great to... Bradley's come up with this one, he wants to talk about them, so we'll hear his opinion on rematch clauses. Yeah, I just think... Oh, God, don't get me started now. You go, you fire that, away. you got three Have minutes. a rant, Bradley, have, have a, a rant. rant. Have a John Evans rant. <laughs> yeah, man, I just think... I don't think they're any good for boxing at all. Um, I think, you know, you we're getting rematches. That we, the, the first fight was either boring and no one asked for and wanted to see again or was really one-sided and you don't need a rematch for it. And it's kind of stopping other better fights happening down the line. And it's just happening too much. And I do understand, you know, why a champion might put a rematch clause in or whatever. But it's, it seems to be every fight now, even when there's no titles on the line, stuff like that. And, you know, I just think it's getting a bit out of hand. Yeah, I mean, I think John's got a sound when this comes up that it parks up the divisions. Um, It just causes too much congestion. And uh, as John... As John says, you know, the only, the only sort of pass outs I'll give to rematch clauses, and you both might disagree with me, something like Khan Brook on Saturday. There's a rematch clause in that. I think if Khan loses is what Brook has been quoted as saying. And you know what? If they had a controversial fight or Khan was winning easily and got done, which, you know, who knows? It could easily happen. Um, and they had a rematch. I'd understand why, because Spence and Crawford, they're never going to get near again. You know, even they fought guys like the winner went on and fought a guy like Thurman. They're going to get nowhere near the money that they'd get for a rematch at this stage of their career. So in that case, I can give it a pass out for these sort of fights. But on the whole, I agree with you, John. Yeah, it's when there's titles on the line and I've 
I know there's too many titles, but when there's belts involved and there's rematches, it just completely slows the whole thing down, doesn't it? It means there's not less chance of unifications. It means number one challengers don't get the shot they require and or they deserve and things like that. Yeah, I hate them. And nowadays, it seems like if a challenger is going to beat a champion, they've got to beat them two times out of three. You know, it's not just one, is it? If you beat them first time, that means you get a rematch and you're going to have to beat them again. It's, it's completely wrong. I, yeah, yeah. With I you, mean, Bradley. Joe Joyce has been number one WBO heavyweight since last summer. And the WBO are strict on mandatory. So by rights, he, he should be ordered to get a fight very, very soon. But he's waiting patiently. So he knows the money ahead. But the reason he's been stopped is because of the rematch with Usyk and, uh, and um, Anthony Joshua. You know, there, there's an example there. But he seems happy waiting for his shot in, in that case, maybe because he knows what big money he's going to be fighting for by the end of the year. And as it's a mandatory, it's not even supposed to be a rematch, is there? No. It just goes to show you can bend the rules however you want. Um, I think this is one of my favourite topics ever, especially as we're all from the Manchester area and it's you know, a bit regionalised. But, John? Yeah, best ever atmospheres at the MEN Arena. Now, I, I know the first one that's going to jump off the page is Ricky Hatton against Kostya Zoo at, at two o'clock that uh, June night, wasn't it? But I've got a couple more. Quiggan Frampton, the atmosphere for Quiggan Frampton was insane. The, like the 15, 20 minutes, that, that brilliant 15, 20 minutes before the ring entrance is a, a big fight. That was an incredible atmosphere. The Irish fans put out that night. Incredible. But the one that sticks out for me was when Mike Tyson fought Julius Francis. Now, me and my mate bought, got tickets. We were on floor seats right next to, literally leaning on the barrier when Tyson walked in. And when Crocodile opened those double doors, it was as if all the air in the arena got sucked out. I've, I've never experienced an atmosphere like it or a man to have so much control over 20,000 20, people. It was like a, a goal in, in terracing. Everyone rushed forward to try and see him and touch him. Uh, I'll never again experience an atmosphere like that, I don't think. But what are yours? Yeah, that's number one for me. Um, the hat and Tostazoo, I don't call it a myth, but because it was three o'clock in the morning... Um, the crowd were going mad till about 11, 12 o'clock, you know, being there by a certain time that, that night, you know, and the bars shut. So by about half one, by about one, it was silent in there. And then about two o'clock when they made the ring walks, 2.10, I think it was, the place erupted again. But you know what? I'll give you two other ones. And I'm going back, you know, I'm a, well older than you two, especially you, Brad, blimey. I mean, um, Naswilfredo Vasquez, the unification. I remember the place going nuts when the ring broke in the sixth or seventh round and they had to put the ring together. I'm going to throw this one out. Hatton versus Eamon McGee. That oh, was yeah. a mad, mad oh, night, that, that whole atmosphere. Yeah. I'll tell you why. It was also Farnell and Gomez were on the bill. And then before Ricky fought, I think, Michael had lost to Kevin Lear, one of those great wasted talents from London. He was a fucking good fighter, believe me. And Farnell had lost to Rubin Gromwald. So the place was like two of the heroes who were a big part of the integral part of Manchester Arena boxing had been beaten that night. And then suddenly it was all on Ricky. And then he had that terrible first round against McGee. And I'm convinced in that, you know, he was hurt. And in that second round onwards, that crowd got him through that fight to win as he did in the end. And that night was something else in there. And that's the one that sticks with me, taking out Tyson Francis, um, Tyson Julius, as, as you, which is rightly number one. What about you, Brad? I know we're, we're going yeah. on and on with this round, but so what? Yeah. 
That's yeah, it, it, it's a very, very special arena, isn't it? And I don't know if I'm just saying that because I am a man and it's where I've grew up and I've, I've, that's where, if I was going to watch boxing, you know, that's the main arena. And, you know, people have always asked me about dream venue and without a doubt, it's a sold out Manchester arena. It's easy. One, I, you know, I follow Crawler everywhere when I was a young kid and one that stands out to me and it wasn't when he won the title, it was when he boxed Barroso. Yeah. And it, oh, I was there that night, Ishmael Barroso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it wasn't, and again, it was kind of like the crowd was carrying him because he had a rocky start. You know, he, he had to kind of, kind of take a lot. Um, and you know, you see now it was the game plan and it worked a treat. But um, you know, it, it wasn't full. The top tier wasn't open, but you know, the noise that was coming, it was unbelievable. And that's one that always, always kind of springs to mind when I think of the arena. Yeah, you know what? It's the personal hey, memories. Fantastic. I know we're going to run there. Final round. That was a great That was a great debate. I really enjoyed that round there, fellas. Final round. Just want to see if any of you have got any conviction for a tip this weekend. Calm, Brook. So many scenarios. I've not met one person who can say either way. Um, you know, I spoke to a couple of guys that have sparred with Brook, um, and they say that, He's obviously not the force he was, but he's still hitting hard and he can punch. Um, you might have heard the same, John. Um, I've spoken with Khan's trainer and he sold me a great Amir Khan, but I'm not so sure. I've just got no idea. You know, for a long time, I've gone into a fight and I've got no idea how <laughs> it is going to go. So many scenarios. And I'll tell you what, if you put my head on a block right now and I had to pick one, I'll go for one. I'll go for Brook in about seven or eight, purely because Amir's feet might slow and he'll start getting caught. But absolutely no idea. And if, if Kel Brook won in seven, seven rounds that or eight rounds, that would never, ever in my lifetime be. And I, so, I told you so, Tip. What do you think, Bradley? I know you've been concentrating on yourself, but people must be driving you mad who you're selling tickets to or the, the allocation you got that you sold over it. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's one of them. I like. It's been changing my mind every day. Um, asked me a few weeks ago. I was convinced Calm was going to box his head off over points, and then about two weeks ago, I started changing my mind, and I thought he was getting flattened. And then recently, I think I'm swaying back towards Khan. Um I just think, uh, you know, like you say, they they're not the fighters that they were. They probably had slowed down a little bit. Um, but a slow Khan is still very, very, very fast. And I just think if he can kind of stay out of the way of one of them big brook shots, you know, he, he can cruise to a cruise to a decision. Um, you know, I'm not sure how much Brook's got left. You know, I, I don't think he's been the same really since that Golovkin fire and that injury. And um, you know, it it's it's mad how much one fight can kind of take out of take out of a boxer. But you know, I I think that fight was kind of a step too far for him with the step up in weight and again gained such such a big puncher in Golovkin. I think it kind of took a bit from him that you know he's never got back. So I'm that's me now. I'm going Khan. John, right? Well, but, but when I think about I, I think about Brook timing him with that right hand, you know, because the thing to beat speed is timing, isn't it? But if they had both deteriorated. You, like you just said, Bradley, Khan's still going to be quick. Even if he's slowed down, he's still going to be quick. But if Brooks just lost that 
split second timing, that's a massive part of his game gone, isn't it? But the last thing he loses your power. And I think Brooks are probably a yeah. stiffer hitter. So it's it's completely up in the air. I think Brook might want it more. I think Brook's got more resentment, hasn't he? And anger, I think, towards Amir than the opposite way around. Oh, I don't know. Um, right, I'm going to have <laughs> Brook by stoppage. Brook by stoppage in inside eight, and it'll be a, a right hand. Well, uh, you know what? It's, I, I'm really, uh, I've said this when the fight was made. Um, these boxing hipsters that were knocking it because, you know, oh, they're yeah. fighting now and they should have. You know what? Bollocks to them. This fight. Yeah, this, yeah, this, this is a big fight. This is this brilliant. Is you know, look at you. Look at you're fighting on the bill, and I can, your excitement just being part of it. You know, part of the week, the press conference on Thursday, going to the Trafford Centre. Is it doing your open workout? Being a part of it. You know, a big fight, and you're part of it. It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, it's huge, and you know, like like I was just saying when we we're talking about the arena. You know, it's been a dream of mine to fight at a sold out Manchester Arena, and as we said before, I'm not sure where I'm going to be on the card, but hopefully it's busy when I'm in there and uh, the atmosphere starts to build. And, you know, hopefully it's the first of many for me. Hopefully we'll be back and one day selling it out myself. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you got... what, Bradley, I, I think you'll realise how big it is at the press conference because yeah. that's going to be... People People might not have really started latching onto it yet and talking about it much, but that's a that's going to be a big event, that press conference. Yeah, yeah. Media's going to be out and you might get a surprise just how big a fight this is and how it big is. a night it is. On you know, and that, and that, you know, I mean, like, like John, yeah, I don't know if you, have you been backstage at fights there at all, Brad? At the arena. arena? You've been backstage there, haven't you? Only when a box there, yeah. Yeah, you boxed there, yeah. But I mean, when you've been backstage, that walk, that long walk from the dressing rooms, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can imagine, you know, when you've, if that's you, you know, you get louder and louder the closer you get. Um, and obviously when them doors open, like you said, with Tyson, I bet it's some noise. But uh, oh no, I'm buzzing. I'll definitely be hanging around for it anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a big event. Um, it, you know, it's one, I, I always judge a big event. I mean, I've got, you know, a lot of mates that, you know, went, went football Saturday to see Marmar playing. A couple of lads there, I just see it away games with Santa. I mean, who do you think wins Calm Brook? You know, and these are guys that they've got no real interest in boxing, you know, but apart from big fights, but they know about this next week. And that tells you how big it is. And people that are knocking it because they're not meeting should really should embrace it because it's fine. It's fantastic. Are you there, John, Saturday? Uh, we'll see. I'm not sure yet. Let's hope oh, you're there, mate. Let's hope you're there. There's only I can't believe I'm not there. I'm ill. I'm ill over it. But there you go. <laughs> Work has to come first. Sometime. Just me then. Just me then, mate. Yeah. I think mean, well, we'll get John Evans in there somehow, mate. We got to get John Evans in there. Even if he can come, I don't know. You know these people. These guys have these people. One carries a bag. One carries a gum shield, and just to get in the arena, you don't even know <laughs> the names get, of them. I'll get you a Team Ray T-shirt, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need one of them. Just stick with the <laughs> hey, another thing, just before we go, is it's a VIP podcast. I'm sure it's not common though. It's not going to break any embargoes. But um, the little Filipino at Arnie's gym, Mike. Romarate seems like he might be getting a lead in with VIP boxing. I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but apparently he's impressing in sparring at the minute. Um, exciting little Filipino fighter, I'm a flyway and superfly. He's going to, I think he'll be thrill a minute if he actually does get in a British ring. Yeah, it's good that he's come back here. Um, and I, I don't know if he's going, I know he's with Arnie, whether he's going on VIP shows or not, but 
you know what? He's going to have to go in hard fights pretty quick as well, I think, because he's not going to sell a ticket. He doesn't know anyone here, but it's fantastic that a boxer like that has come to Manchester, a Filipino. Of all the places, most of them just go to America. He's come to Manchester to live. I don't even know. I think he's living with a mate now, isn't he? He already lived here or something. Incredible. Do you know him at all, Brad? No, no, I've not seen much of him, but I'll keep an eye out, definitely. Any little F- Filipino gets you excited, though, doesn't it? You know, you just think of backyard straight away and the likes of Danair, you know, they, they can fight. So, yeah, I'll keep my eye out. Well, fellas, thanks very much. I really enjoyed that tonight. And uh, the the um, the three minutes or whatever it took on the Manchester Arena atmosphere was a brilliant one. You come up there with, with John. Brad, thanks for um, your insight tonight. What's obvious from speaking to you, Bradley? You're not just a boxer, you're a fan as well, aren't you? Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love yeah. it. You know, I, I say all the time, you know, if, even if it wasn't boxing, I'd still be on Twitter talking bollocks and I'd still be watching all the interviews. And, you know, I, I'm just very lucky that, you know, the, the, the sport that I love, you know, I get to do it from a profession as well. So, just can't be blessings every day and enjoy it because it's a short career, isn't it? So just take it all in. Yeah, I was I was following your Twitter feed. I was on a train back from Hull on Saturday night during the, the early stage of the boxing and I missed Felix Cash and I was enjoying your tweets during Felix Cash. And it was so obvious that you were rooting for him once he got knocked yeah. down from your tweets that you were really with him. And, you know, you you, I, I could, you could it, was, it was coming through from your post, mate. Yeah, he's, um, I'm a fan of Cash, to be fair. Yeah. And that was a tough fight. That was a tough fight. That Russian was no joke. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think he won the fight convincingly. I think he won most of the rounds that he didn't get knocked down and I've had the pint off. But it was another tasty one and good matchmaking, I think. Okay, what about um, you, Dolph? You're against Denzel, Brad. That's a good fight that's been put out. Yeah, now that is a tasty one. I, I, was, I was speaking to you, Dolph, here at the... Uh, William Eubank fight the other week and he said, you know, they're waiting for a date for it, I think, um, going to purse bids and that. And I think since then I've seen that Wasserman have won the purse bids. Um, oh, that's a good fight. I, I think I might be swaying towards Eudolphia. Um, but then Bentley's got kind of that awkward style, which, you know, can, can cause anyone nightmares and it hits very hard. So it'll be an exciting one. Again, you know, my, my division is absolutely, you know, buzzing, it's bouncing. It? The middle. so many good fights to be made. And, you know, I'm I'm trying to get involved. You know, I'm a bit yeah. behind all them lot at the moment. But, you know, I'm putting my foot down and trying to get involved. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think people might be sleeping on Denzel's power a little yeah. bit after the oh, last couple, last couple oh, of fights. De- yeah, Cash was, was Cash was brilliant that night. He was absolutely, well, he was very, very good that night. And he showed the other night. I mean, I haven't seen the fight the other night, but. You know, he showed, I'm sure he showed what he was about, but maybe I'm a bit biased because um, I think Denzel's one of the nicest guys you can meet. He also comes from Battersea, where I come from. So there you go. I'm, t- yeah. I'm team Dens. And I think yeah. John likes we'll Dens. We'll, we'll get him back on before the fight. Yeah, we will. He's a mate of John's as well. So him and John are pals. So yeah, anyway. we'll get Denzel on before the fight. Fellas, thanks very much for tonight. Thanks a lot, Brad, for giving affording us some time during fight week. Because by the end of this week, you'll be sick of doing interviews. You'll be sick yeah. of people <laughs> asking about car. Enjoy it because you know what? Oh, big fight weeks. This is the start of many of them for you because you, you know, you're you've what you've 11 and zero now. You know, you've got a long, long way to go in your career. You could have another seven, eight, nine of these nights, and you know, six or seven of them headlining. Who knows? 
just to enjoy every minute of this week because, as we spoke about, um, some guys are unlucky through injury. Of course, yes, mate. That, that's a dream. That's a dream. And fingers crossed, I keep working hard and hopefully, you know, it'll be me headlining one day, like you said. Anything to add, John? We, we're, it's Monday night now. I'm sure John's off to celebrate Valentine's night tonight. So <laughs> we'll um, let you go, John, and get spruced up and shaved up and the hair all greased up for the <laughs> night. My, wife, my wife's gone to Spain for a few days and this poor fella, Bradley's locked up in Hive. So you... you, you, you you have a you have a nice um, glass of Chardonnay on 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 bread tonight, <laughs> and a glass of water on me because I don't advocate alcohol. But there you go, fellas. Right. <laughs> Anything to say, John? No, nothing to say to that, Steve. Well, <laughs> <laughs> when you wanted to bring the recording back uh, earlier, it was obvious. I just didn't want to say. But thanks a lot, fellas. <laughs> Top lad, nice one, Steve. Cheers, John. Cheers, John. Cheers, thanks, mate. For all boxing, info, news and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.